please at my job. That's why we want to rehire you. It's out of the question. And what would be the reason for your refusal? Family. <laughs> Maybe all couples go through this. You have someone. Yes. Do you sleep with him? Welcome to Movie Umpers. My name is Bub Sham. Hi, I'm Angela. And the sounds you hear may be dogs. And this month we are talking about women in crisis. That's our theme. Women in fucking crisis. They're going through some shit. Maybe physical, emotional, personality crisis. Mm -hmm. Maybe just losing their fucking mind. Or maybe some kind of demon is inside of them or something. I don't know, man. But like, before we get into this movie... There's something, this movie is very interesting. I, I haven't been able to stop thinking about it since we saw it. Yeah. And this movie kind of defies our little rating system, which I encourage, I want to periodically say that the rating system that we do here that puts a fine point on our episodes and is mainly used to list our movies that we just watched somewhere. Yeah, keep track of it. It's not important what the number is. It's not important what we feel about it. It only matters how you feel about it. But a movie like this kind of defies the very notion of like, oh, let's give this a one through five to one through ten. I guess what I'm trying to say is that, you know, a lot of movies will give S tier, but there might occasionally be like a B tier movie out there that maybe means a lot more to me than a movie that we're like, this is technically pretty great, Mm -hmm. but I still probably like this movie over here, Hot Shots, or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, how you feel about a movie or how it connects with you, it can connect in a variety of ways. Maybe, we'll see. I may, like, throw it all on the floor at the end of the uh episode. But I feel like this movie, if you really nitpick, there are some issues. And yet, this sure. movie also has maybe one of the best scenes I've ever seen in a movie ever, right? The way it is is just so fascinating. Look, we're talking about the Polish director on Andrzej Zulowski's only English-speaking movie. We're talking about 1981's Possession, a movie that was not a hit in its day. It's uh, found a cult status that over totally the years, makes sense. and it's kind of inspired a lot of people to do their film work, make their movies, and stuff like that. Interesting ass movie, and it stems from um, a couple of things. Zulowski. It's from Poland during a time in Cold War era. 
Poland was under a communist government at the time. He made a couple of films at home, but the government there was very paranoid about his themes and what he was trying to do. And his first film was deemed sacrilegious. So in order to make a movie that Zalowski wanted to make, he left his country. Mm -hmm. So this movie is kind of about a divorce from, it's about a literal divorce in the movie, a couple splitting up. It's also kind of about a divorce from his home country, the Mm -hmm. bitterness that he had at not being able to make the movies exactly the way he wanted them. And it's also directly correlates on, on, on his first film that he made in Poland. He, there was an actor in that movie that he married and he had a son with. And the actor, as he uh, stated in an interview, I found... I had no, no home, no family. My, my wife, the mother of my son, uh, went away with a guy like Henry. Heinrich is maybe more intelligent, but Anna is probably more intelligent than my ex-wife, who's a better person, by the way. But, uh, so this, this total disruption, this, this, this chaos, this, this thing, uh, which happened to a very, in a very banal situation, which is a couple which breaks, okay, was as strong as a motivation to understand as all the things we were discussing up to now. He literally pulled that scene. And also, he chose to make this movie in West Berlin. Mm. We are in one house that looks very modern, West Berlin. And of course, Berlin Wall's there. On the other side is the Soviet Union, essentially. But he shot other points of it in like the poor parts of West Germany. The parts where she's keeping the thing. He shoots it in West Germany to symbolize a communist bloc country. Though it's kind of ironic that he uses a poor neighborhood in West Germany to Mm kind of have that symbolism. I think for obvious reasons, he was just very bitter about where he grew up. But of course, I think that bitterness comes from a a place of love at the same time. Everyone wants to be in their country, but if you want to make what you want to make, sometimes you just got to figure it out somewhere else. He, He chooses divided Berlin for this reason. And he actually shot a lot of scenes like along the wall. And the areas that are close to the wall are some were at the time some of the poorest parts of West sure. Germany. And that's where we get uh possession from nineteen eighty one starring Isabella Johnny, Sam Neill, and Heinz Bennett. Uh Isabella Johnny I saw her in one other movie some years ago, Werner Herzog's shot for shot remake of Nosferatu. She was in that movie. Oh wow. And she is a very striking woman. She's kind of stunning, right? I truly in the middle of the movie was like, I could just look at her face all day. Sam Neill is a he plays a spy. He, <laughs> yeah, an international it's not super spy. Clear, but yeah. And he comes home and all these men that come into contact with him, they seem very serious. But yeah, he comes from far away. It's always referencing how he went somewhere far away. And he's gone for long periods of time. And it's hard to say when did he bring something home with him or or what. This movie's going to be a little hard to explain in a lot of ways, even though we know what inspires the exact movie and the choice is why. Yeah. But it's still the acting in this movie is we hear music when he is afflicted because they're both afflicted. They're both taken over by some kind of entity, right? When he's talking to the guys at the beginning, which I didn't realize were cops, but there's some Spies, kind of like intelligence yeah guys. like he's yeah they're like intelligence guys and the thing they're talking about is 
He was supposed to meet up with someone and get these vials. We don't know what was in these vials. We don't know what was going on with that. But he was refusing to continue on with this job. So for whatever reason, he got a bad feeling about it. And then he did go home. And as far as we know, she was cheating on him before he came home. But she wasn't like she is What's not clear is when the actual possession takes place. But there's also the notion of possession as in, possession as in having a significant other, right? Mm-hmm. So there's all these layers going on. and Yeah. But they seem taken over. Like, even though we don't know too much about them prior to meeting them in this movie, we seem to instinctively know. And it might just be a matter of this is his first English-speaking film and the way he can communicate these scenes and how they do. Mm-hmm. But they're, but they're acting and the way they are, it seems very forceful. Their mannerisms seem very forceful. It seems overtly intense. Mm-hmm. And they are immediately falling apart. And she confesses to having some affair with some guy. Mm-hmm. They also have a kid named Bob. Yeah. Like a, he's like an eight year old boy and they call him Bob. I was a Bobby growing up. I know. They could have, to call a young they could have called me Bob growing up, but they didn't. I was Bobby or Robert if I was in trouble. Right. But that, that was a little weird to me. I, <laughs> I, the more I've thought about it, cause I can't stop thinking about this movie either. I do think that whatever happened happened between them when he came home. I don't think that they had sex, but they might have because one of their early conversations, they're both in naked in the bed. I think they tried and something was different. That's how they knew, right? Right. And I think, you know, she says, at first she says, maybe this happens to all married couples eventually. And I thought maybe he was impotent, but then we find out that it's their falling out of love and it could be all of the above, right? Mm. But if they fuck, here's the thing. I think they fucked and that started the whole thing because we find out that she was sleeping with Heinrich. But very quickly, her husband, what is his name? Mark. Mark, yes. Mark loses it for like three weeks and comes home and finds out that she's also been gone and her their kid's been alone. And before he came home, even though their marriage was falling apart, she was going to see Heinrich. She was taking the kid to school. The teacher knew it was up. You know what I mean? Like, everything was fine. And then even Heinrich was like, I don't know where she is. She kept saying she was with him, but she wasn't. I really think that you're right in that he brought something home because we do also, at the end, see the man with the pink socks. And they make reference to the man with the pink socks yeah. at the beginning when he is talking about how he got these vials. I don't know what's in the vials. One time he actually beats her up. Like he beats the shit out of her. I think it arranges to where he's taking care of Bob, the child. He is. He's living at the house and she and, leaves. And she goes away. And that's when she ends up in this this house that looks it's a little apartment. bit more yeah. drab. But it's like an older town block. Mark hires a private investigator to go see what she's doing. Yeah. Even though he's starting to come along and he's even occasionally sleeping with Margit, who is, he's not in love with her, but she was like. She's like a friend of the family. She babysits Bob. Yeah. And she's also like kind of a gossip between what's going on. Yeah. And she's a broken foot. But he also meets Bob's teacher, who is also played. 
by Isabella Johnny. I love when he first meets her and he truly, she has like a long braid and he pulls it and he's like, What is this, a joke? What are you talking about? I'm in your way. What? <laughs> Sorry, it's impossible. <laughs> Have you ever seen my wife? Naturally, every day of Kind of straightforward, a little more plain seeming. The only difference is that there's like these stark differences, which I don't exactly know what the symbology is of all of it, but I have ideas. But the wife wears blue always and has bright blue eyes. Yeah. The teacher wears white always and has bright green eyes. And the teacher makes some claim, and I think it's also referencing a bit more of the director's background in which he says, you know, where I come from, evil is a lot more obvious. But Mark is also, he also has something else in him. Yeah, he's acting erratically as well. And we hear the music play on him, and then after they have conflict and she's walking away from him in the streets, then that music plays... Whatever that is, is now inside her. And that's the point when they're finally apart and she leaves the place and Mm -hmm. she goes to the new place. Mm -hmm. So this detective manages to track her down. She also, she'll come home, but she will come in like a tornado. And she's like throwing things. She'll be like, I have to make Bob's lunch. And it's like, slow down. And there's like a buttered piece of bread on the top of the fridge. And she's throwing dishes around. And at one point she starts grinding meat. And it looks like she's about to stick her hand in there. I thought she was going to. But what she does is she takes the electric knife she's been cutting the meat with and putting it in the meat grinder. She takes the electric knife, goes to cut her own neck, and she does a little, but he stops her. Well, then she goes in the other room and is doing God knows what, and he's just cutting his arm. Cutting his arm, yeah. And he says to her, or she says to him, I can't remember. It doesn't hurt. No. It's in both of them, whatever it is. He also confronts Heinrich. and He goes to Heinrich's house. And Heinrich is this older, kind of swaggy German guy, but he's also kind of effeminate and very over the top. There's a weird sexual tension with him in the world. You can hate me as much as you like, but it's you who wants to know things for me. So please make it possible. I'm suffering as much as you are. But Heinrich, like, beats his ass. He, like, hits him with the Mongolian chops and straight up, like, does, like, wrestling karate on him. (laughs) Like, he beats Sam Neill's ass. It's very funny. He thinks he's tracking her, but at the point in which he's actively, like, confronting Heinrich, she's not going around there either. Like, it's over between them by that point. Heinrich basically says he hasn't seen her in weeks, which is how long she's been acting weird. And Heinrich is in, like, he comes in later because he is obsessed with her. Yeah, his mom knows her. Like, she's been staying at their house. Yeah, he lives with his mother. His elderly mom. So the detective tracks her down and goes and pretends to be someone inspecting the windows and goes into her place, and it's very drab. But he walks into a, a room. Well, he walks into this area and he sees some kind of tendril creature thing. Tentacles, yeah. And that's like in the shadows and it's waving. And then and there's blood all over the bed. And then how does she kill him? I can't remember. But she fucking just kills him right there. One of the per- people who knows the detective catches up with Sam. And he's confronted by this man. And he realizes that he's the lover of... 
of the detective he sent. Well, and he's the head of the detective agency. Like, that's who he met with at first, was the guy that comes to talk to him. And he's like, the agent I sent out didn't come home last night. Yeah. But then, yeah, they find out. He's like, I really need to know what happened because... I live with him. We live together. Mark's kind of a little bit beyond it at this point, especially since... She keeps come Anna keeps coming back into his life, like just to throw things around and disappear. He's not really having to miss her that much. No, right? but he's also gotten weirdly kind of. It's like it's making him laugh at this point. Mm. You know, she yeah. does something, and he's kind of is like smiley because he's warped as well. Exactly, they're just becoming more warped. But the other man goes and tracks her down, and he ends up getting his ass fucking killed as well. But this time, the thing. Is like a little bit bigger and it's got like this weird eyes separate. Like this thing is growing. And at first I thought maybe she's feeding it these, but I think it's just growing on its own. It might just be growing on its own. Yeah. And it's feeding off of maybe her because she is the most, like it appears that she is incubating a demon of some sort in her apartment. And then that is the cause of why they're so twisted up. The second investigator who goes to try to figure it out. She makes the comment to him that, like, when he sees it, she goes, he made love to me all night. And she's, like, wild-eyed. But, yeah, she's, like, fiercely protecting this. So, one of the things about possession, too, you know, you talked about, like, there's the idea of, like, being married in possession. But there's also the idea of your child being your possession, right? Like, there's a point at which it's almost like they're fighting over Bob as though he is a thing, yeah. You know, and then, and, and he gets tossed off just as easily. You certainly don't get a lot of parental love. The teacher seems to have the only natural feeling connection to the child. But then there's also the relationship between Heinrich and his mother that is very, very strong. And then there's the relationship between her and this demon that, like you said, she has abandoned her family to protect and nurture this being apparently the actors um have reported that and sam neill was like this is the most exhausting movie i've ever filmed uh isabel ajani was very depressed after making mm. this movie i could see and that maybe a little bit suicidal as you could imagine because if you just look and see how they are it is just and the intensity the emotions the concentration it is unreal and there's a scene, it's probably the most infamous scene in this movie. It's also, you'll notice, the only scene in which she is completely alone. Yep, and she's. this is a memory that she's telling Sam Neill about. Yeah. We see her walk into a subway, and she is thrashing. Like, this scene is so physical, she's just shaking her head around. It almost, look, a few years ago, I couldn't find it, but a few years ago, there was some shit online where... People were putting pop music to this scene. And that's probably the first time I was ever exposed to this movie. This is the first time we've watched it. Yeah. And I remember just being fascinated watching that. Like, where the fuck is is this the actual video? I didn't know. Like, where is this from? Right? Because it seemed to, you could tell that the character in there was tortured. Yeah. So you got the humor of like a pop song playing underneath it. she was jerking around i remember seeing these videos as well but i loved that you didn't remind me exactly what it was you did say that there was something in the past that 
But I couldn't find any of this yeah, but, looking it up. But you, you, you kind of started to explain the meme to me, but then you stopped. And I'm glad that you did because we're watching the movie and then all of a sudden, the second she walked into that like subway tunnel, I, there I was said a, to you, I was a memory like, struck. I have seen this. Yes. I know this. this video, and it was fascinating. This, this scene goes on for, she does this for three minutes and eight seconds. At one point, she's writhing around on the ground. What's happening in this scene, ultimately, we see her just thrashing, throwing her groceries against the wall. She's just man rolling on the ground. And then she flops to her knees and she starts straining and like foam is coming out of her mouth. It looks like she's been chugging like the Papa John's garlic sauce and that's coming out of her mouth and blood starts to pull down by her. She's miscarrying a demon baby. The scene was fucking, it's fucking great. I did think it was kind of funny, and this is like a B-movie moment to me. That is so, it is such a strong scene. But then did you notice how, like, there's stuff coming out of her mouth and stuff coming between her legs, but then there's also just, like, liquid pouring from her shoulders? Like, I don't know if it was supposed to be coming out of her ears, but it was like they needed more. It's yeah. like he wanted more liquid than she could hold in her mouth or they could. So it was almost as though they had tubes just, like, shooting it down her chest. Mark and Heinrich kind of get together. Like, they're going to try to figure out what's wrong and what needs to be done here. And But Mark ends up goading Heinrich into some area and Kills him with a toilet seat lid. He first gives Heinrich the address and basically sends him there. And so Heinrich goes there and she ends up stabbing Heinrich because oh, she's right. going to kill him as well. Because he sees the thing. Yeah. And maybe he's the one she told they'd been fucking. But anyway. He told no one. He ta- he called he no called police. Mark. Yeah, like, he didn't call anyone. He, he called, called Mark. He didn't call the police. He called Mark. I know. And he went and waited in a dive bar on the corner. And then Mark shows up in the dive bar and he... So methodically set it up to look like Heinrich was overdosed, overdosed and throwing up and, and like he drowned him in the toilet. But what's interesting about Heinrich's death, the mother calls Mark later and basically says, hey, I went to this this bar and I saw the body of my son, but his soul was not there. Yeah, at first she's like, where's my son? Where's my son? And yeah. then she reveals that she saw his body, so he's talking about his soul. Yeah, she's like, where is his soul? Do you think Heinrich had something in him as well? Like his soul was already gone before he was taken? I wonder if the demon is not feeding on their bodies, but their soul. Maybe when she started killing him, he was already a goner. Maybe, yeah. And the demon already had a hold of his soul. So they end up, um, she ends up disappearing from the place and blows up the apartment. And well, she, and the, Mark blows up the apartment. Mark blows up the apartment, but she's not there and the thing isn't mm-hmm. there. And they finally, um, have a climactic encounter where she encounters him. I forget where it is. They're at the apartment. At their more modern apartment, right? In that area. Yeah, they're at they're at their apartment and they have a moment together. And Mark's like intelligence colleagues are like closing in on the scenario. Well, well, well first they try to do this thing where he goes and gives Bob to the teacher and she's got she basically is like 
I have to take care of this thing. And she had brought it to their apartment. And so she's like, you hide in here with Bob and don't come out of this room. And he's like, is it here? And she's like, yes, I have to get it away. And so he's basically like, okay, take it away and I will get the money. And he goes and drops Bob off with the teacher. Mm. And then, yeah, they go and they meet up. And at this point, they're in like a weird building with this like staircase. Yeah, they're in a stairwell. And that might have been where he met up with those guys in the first place. Because you said it looked familiar, but I couldn't recall. So, yeah, and he meets up and it comes to reveal that this thing she had been keeping has turned itself into Mark. She shows up with him with it as Mark. Yeah. And she basically is like, it's finished. I wanted to show you. And that's the most low key that Sam Neill got to act in this movie. He, <laughs> he was just like got to stand there smiling. Guy. Yeah. Because he's a, ma- a fucking maniac throughout the majority of the movie. And it looks just like Sam Neill, except he has bright green eyes. And so the the intelligence dudes, the government agents, close in and they open fire, shooting up everyone. But it doesn't seem to affect the duplicate demon Mark. Mm-mm, mm-mm. But it's funny because Mark, like, he also shoots himself by holding a gun behind his she back. Doesn't. She does it. So so he's got the gun in his hand and she pulls his arm around. Their bo- hands are both on the gun. Oh. She pulls his arm around and she shoots through herself into him, killing them oh. both. And they die kissing. It's They've got like blood and pretty amazing, kissing. Pretty amazing way to go. I mean. But then Mark like manages to throw himself over the the banister into the, the open space in the stairwell. Yeah, it's down like... Flat four or five flight. And Mark, the the duplicate, the demon Mark, he's fine. He like hypnotizes this girl to like shoot at the police for him so he can get away. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then, so they're dead and you see the man with the pink socks, which has something to do with what's happening at the beginning, which is why I think you're right that Mark essentially brought this thing. Yeah. But, and I think he took something from Mark because he has Mark's DNA, but he never interacted with Mark. But She then, turned him into like a Mark or like, I wonder, Yeah. I almost wonder if he was in Mark, Mark impregnated her, she gave birth to the demon baby. You know what I mean? Like, I think he needed them. I think they did maybe fuck. Well, she miscarried. We know that. But that was the demon. Yeah, she miscarried the demon. I don't think she had it. Well, she said she had miscarried it right after that scene. Well, she was also talking about like two selves and faith and chance and she miscarried faith. Well, I didn't see that as her miscarrying the demon. I mean, the demon was there. It wasn't dead. The demon that's in the bed turns into Mark. I thought that she was tell she told that story to Mark later. I thought she I thought that was the origin of the demon was that she gave birth to it. But maybe not. Maybe. Okay. That makes sense. There are still some bits that I mean. This it could movie, go. It could. This honestly, movie like, stands a rewatch. This movie stands a rewatch. So one hundred percent. So this is like. This I is, just. I this is a little bit think, of Hellraiser before we got Hellraiser. I personally think that she birthed it, and then it grew. So anyway, they die, and it cuts to the teacher's house where she's taking care of the little boy, and then there's a knock on the door, and he starts saying, "Don't open." Don't open, 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 don't open
Don't open, don't, don't open, open, don't, don't open. open. And he runs upstairs. She opens the door and there is Demon Mark and he's standing behind her and they both have the same like piercing green eyes. Possession by Andres, Andres Zalowski. 1981. Uh, a, a, a fucking interesting ass movie. But we're going to we're going to rate it now. Even though I was saying how this movie kind of defies this notion that you should put a rating to anything. But we're going to do that anyway because That's what we do. That's what we do. You're we don't give, have an NA category. You're going to give one through 5. I'm going to give one through 5 combined for best out of 10. What do you give it? I'm going to give it a 4. Fuck, it, I'm going to give it a 5. I Hell just, yeah. The movie's just kind of like Hell yeah. I just love how out there it is. You know, I almost did went higher and it doesn't matter now because it's S tier, but like I I really No, not quite. It's got to be over a 9 to be S tier. Then 4.25. Okay. Just for the fuck of it. Just for the fuck of it. I don't need it. to explain it. That subway it's an scene alone. Movie. I know. There's nothing like this. You've never. I guarantee you've never seen a horror movie like this. Like it, you can barely even call it. It's like a psychological thriller. It's like Hellraiser meets Repulsion. Yes. You know, yes. with like sociopolitical commentary involved. Plenty of bitterness from the director himself. This movie was banned in some places and England. England. Apparently, there was a cut of it that made it to the U.S. in the 80s, but they like butchered it. I love stories where, and this is a good example of something that he may not have been able to make in his home country, but he's still having issues with the free Western world censoring it in certain ways. Because it was still too much. Take a pee. Just because I felt like it. S tier movie Possession by Andre Zalowski from 1981. Next to Sunset Boulevard. That's right. It's uh, under Phantom Thread over RRR, sharing the ranks of what we call masterpieces yes. with movies like Sunset Boulevard, Citizen Kane, Heat, It's a Wonderful Life, After Sun, Paris, Texas. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen a movie like this in this certain way, nor will I ever. Mm-mm. So fuck it. It's our show. We can do what we want. S tier. Possession. 1981. Hell yeah. Check the links for other places to find us. Uh, like, subscribe. We'd appreciate it if you did that. Leave a comment. Correction. Fun fact. Yeah, that's it. So join us next week as uh, we get more movies about women in crisis. Watch your back, girl. <laughs>